doesn't matter the the group we're working with, whether men or women, we always start off with mental self-defense. So first of all, how do these things happen? How could people, you know, take advantage of my unmet needs? What mental self-defense looks at is, you know, how do we prep ourselves just in general for when those needs aren't met? We're all human beings. You're going to go through friend breakups, actual breakups. You're going to have financial hardship probably at some point throughout your life. You know, what do we do in those situations to prep ourselves to still feel safe and still feel confident even while going through those things. Welcome back to another episode of Chapter 20-something. I'm Kylie McDonald, and today I'm here with Kaylee Billerback. Kaylee is the founder of Everyday Armor, where she travels the country teaching people of all ages, and especially young women, the values of self-defense, not only from a physical standpoint, but a mental one as well. This episode is beneficial for absolutely Anybody who listens to it, um, we go over so many tips that you could use if you ever find yourself in a vulnerable situation, but also really at the base of it, our own self-confidence and the value of that, and not only in our lives and our success, but our safety as well. So Kaylee is the perfect person to talk to about all of this. She's so down to earth, so real. I truly enjoyed having her on. And I thank her, really, for her wisdom that we will all benefit from. So if you want to follow Kaylee, you can on Instagram at Everyday Armor Official. And on TikTok, she's at Everyday Armor. Um, and then if you want to follow the podcast, of course, it's at Chapter 20 Something Pod. And I am at Official Kylie McDonald. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I will see you guys soon. All right. Much love. Bye. Kaylee, I am so, so excited to talk to you. How are you doing today? Yes, I'm so excited to talk to you. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's always fun to get to talk about these kinds of things, especially with fellow women that experience these things. So I'm I'm super excited, but I'm good. I It's sunny out today, no more overcast. So it, it's been a good day so far. Good, good. All right. As we were just discussing, you're in California. I'm in New York. I don't even know if you know the definition of overcast. Like, girl, oh my God. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. No, you can't, honestly. And you just said like you've been to New York like once briefly. Like, oh my God, it it gets crazy here and very dreary, even though I love it. Like, I love New York with all my Mm -hmm. heart, but the weather is insane here and can be disgusting for a lot. Oh, I bet. What's yeah. it like in the winters? Like, do people still go out as much like in the city and stuff? Like, what is that like? Um, Honestly, like a 
cold night or a rainy night will definitely deter me from going out, but it doesn't stop people at all. Like people don't even wear a coat half of the time. Like if it's going to mess with their outfit or they don't want to carry it around, they'll just freeze (laughs) in like negative temperatures and they're like little mini dresses or whatever, just Mm -hmm. so they can look cute. And I swear that you see that literally every single day here. It's insane. (laughs) That's amazing. I, so my, like, I'll go teach classes, you know, and I, I always show up in like a cute outfit. So I have these new shoes that I got and I'm like obsessed with them, but I'd never worn them before one of my classes. Mm -hmm. And my boyfriend came to my class with me and I had two back to back and my feet were already like torn up from my other shoes. And he was like, why are you going to wear these? And I was like, you don't understand. You have to do it for fashion. Sometimes like you don't, you don't understand what it's like to be a woman. Like it's the outfit is everything. If the shoe looks good, you know, you go through with it. It's so true. And I experience that literally every day in the city too. I'm like, yeah, I can walk like 20 block in these heels. No big deal. And then I'm like dying, but I'm like, you know what? They look good. So it's fine. It's fine. Exactly. Do you guys ever feel like more unsafe or anything like that? Like in the winters, is it harder to get around? Like, or there just not as many people out? Um, you know, that's interesting. I'm newer to the city, so I haven't had a full winter here, but even, you know, in upstate New York, it's, it's, you know, there's less people out. Definitely unsafe. Mm, you know, I'd say the main thing I've experienced is that the roads are bad and like something happens. It's, it's going to take longer for help to get there. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Or it's going to take longer for somebody to get to you if you need help. Definitely. So it's that's a little bit harder to deal with. Um, Obviously if less people are out, that means less like dangerous people quote unquote are out too, as well, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I've never really experienced so much danger with that unless of course somebody is looking you know, is more eager and more needing like food or shelter. And they're going to do anything they can to get money to get those things, you know, yeah. that could definitely make a difference for sure. So it depends, but yeah, I mean, cold weather does affect safety for sure. Yeah, no, it, it does. It's really interesting because I've never lived directly in a city. I've obviously like traveled through them and stuff with work, but mm-hmm. it is, there's just obviously so many more people and it's just, you know, like you said, if you need help, I remember I was um, traveling in Mexico to Sayulita and there was an ambulance trying to get through and the roads are so small and yeah. there was so much traffic. My boyfriend was like, that could literally be like a matter of life and death right there. If they like can't get there quick enough, it's just, mm-hmm. it's so crazy. Yeah. And, and I don't really think about that too much, like how much a culture or weather conditions like can really affect the safety or the outcome of a dangerous situation but of course mm-hmm. it does it does every day everywhere so yeah that's really interesting yeah and of yeah. course you are thinking about these things because you are the founder of everyday armor and i am so passionate about this topic my dad um, is actually a self-defense teacher as well so i grew up kind that's of amazing. in this world a little bit um learning these things and i am so thankful that i have learned a lot of these tactics from a young age Because yes, they open you up to that scariness and the scariness of the world a little bit more, but it's also necessary to know how to keep yourself safe as much as you can. And for you, a young woman to take this on um, so early and so profoundly is incredible. So why don't you tell us about how you came up with the idea for Everyday Armor and um, really, you know, what it is at its base? Okay, perfect. And if you have questions, like totally interrupt me because I'm probably going to go off on like tangents. So, oh, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think 
you know, to your point of being exposed to it early on, I think that sometimes we can let that induce a lot of fear. But the way that I kind of look at it is instead of being scared, you're just more prepared. And the more that you're able to implement little habits and stuff, the more confident you feel with things. And ultimately, education is power, right? So the more you know about this kind of stuff or how these things happen, the more you can really honestly trust in your gut instinct and not question it as much. So I think that that's such an important point that you pointed out. You know, it's so great that you were able to learn from such an early age doing these things. And I hope that, you know, really our goal is to make sure that more women have that opportunity because it is so important. But um, to your question, so, I mean, I trained in martial arts from, I, I honestly, I can't remember if it was third or fourth grade. I believe it was third grade when my parents signed my sister and I up for it. They basically were like, okay, you're going to do this until you get a black belt. And I was morbidly embarrassed about it. And I you know, didn't really tell a lot of people. And then I ended up, I trained until I got my black belt in Taekwondo and I absolutely fell in love with it. I kept training. I started instructing around 15 and then I got certified at 16. And my instructors had like such an amalgam of disciplines that he's trained in. So he really kind of incorporated, like he, his home, his family kind of created this program, um, active martial arts, and they had studios in Monroe and Mill Creek, Washington. So that's kind of where I trained at. And he introduced different disciplines throughout our training, which was really cool to have, you know, exposure to. And for me, I think, you know, I sought my training at 18 and then I went off to college and, it was just very hard. I actually tried to do PAQA, which is like another discipline my freshman year. And it was just, I was busy. And I think that that for me kind of got me thinking, you know, I joined a sorority and I saw all the things I was doing. I was actually a nanny in Mexico the summer after my junior year. And I had like this whole thing happen where I like passed out drunk on a beach and was mugged and had like my passport, my phone, everything stolen. Oh my goodness. And yeah, and that's where, you know, I realized that so many young women, number one, may not have the funds to go do consistent training. And number two, maybe they just don't want to, maybe it's not accessible to them for other reasons. And so many self-defense studios, I mean, obviously there's amazingly well-intentioned, but there's so much of it that's mental and yeah. of course, situational as well, which I think a lot of people do touch on. So we wanted to look at, you know, for everyday women who have very little, if not no experience with self-defense, mm-hmm. what are like tangible things that they can have and what's actually happening out there? What are some myths that are perpetuated and how do we just reduce everyday fear while helping women be more safe so that they can, you know, go out and do the things they want to do? I'm independent to a fault. I like to travel. Like, I mean, that's what I do yeah. for everyday armor. So we want women to do those things and not have to feel like they're being unsafe by living life. So that's kind of, you know, where Everyday Armor started. And I really just fell into it and it just kind of built into what it is today. So, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Amazing. It's truly so amazing. And really, there are so many like tangents that I want to go off on right now. Um, <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. okay. First, I really love how you brought up the situation that you experienced, um, that you, you know, passed out drunk, whatever, like got mugged because everybody goes through something like that. Maybe they're not passed out, but 
maybe they fell asleep somewhere or maybe they found themselves alone with somebody and they didn't expect you. And the main thing is you are vulnerable in a situation and you feel uncomfortable. And it's hard, I think, to talk about those things sometimes publicly or even with friends, honestly, like you kind of have to swallow your pride and say, yeah, this happened to me. I didn't want it to happen to me, but it did. Um, But just accepting that everybody deals with something like that and it's nothing to be ashamed of. And you can, of course, learn from, you know, decisions you make and say, okay, I I don't want to do this in the future. But just knowing like, I want to be able to know how to be able to protect myself and also know that it's okay to talk about and it's okay to accept and learn from because growing up, like being a young woman in this world, we all experience something like that. And that, first Mm -hmm. of all, is just really important to, to recognize and to accept. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and and I think too, like if you, for me, I'm like, okay, if you look at that whole story, Mm -hmm. there's never a point where any physical moves would have helped me to prevent it or to get out of it. So it's like, what else did I miss there? And that for us was a crucial question to really look at and analyze Mm -hmm. when we were creating everyday armor. And I love that you talk about, it is important to be able to talk about these things because it's, I mean, obviously everybody, depending on the severity of the situation, you know, you're going to have to go on your own journey in doing that. But I think that it can be so empowering. And, you know, after that happened, I'm from a small town. I knew that this was going to get back to my hometown and I'd spent so long teaching people how to protect themselves and stay safe. And yet I landed myself here. So it was like, okay, I did. I had to swallow my pride. But then how can you, like you said, you know, it's not my fault that somebody did that and would come and mug me. But like, I want to have control of my life. I want to be able to still go out and drink or still go out and travel and not have to fear that that's going to happen again. So, you know, what tools do I need to have in my tool belt to feel confident in myself and what I can control that hopefully that wouldn't happen again, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I think that's a part of growing up too. And obviously like different people experience different hardships and circumstances, you know, at a younger age, but Mm -hmm. I know for me, and I'm thankful for this, but it wasn't until I was, you know, in college or in my early twenties that I found myself in like really vulnerable, scary situations that Mm -hmm. up until then, my image of myself was like, oh, I, I know how to handle everything that comes my way. I, I have all the tools in my toolbox. And then you experience these real life things and you're like, oh my God, wait, like I've never dealt with this before. This is not who I am. This is not who I want to be, but that's life. Like you learn from these situations and yeah, it's scary, but you have to learn. And I think you have to go through some of these hard times in order to really know how you want to protect yourself. In my yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, like you said, so many of us encounter these things and it's not like it makes you a bad person for no. these things happening. It's mm-hmm. like, it's just part of life. Sometimes, you know, I, when all of that happened, that was the culmination of so many other smaller things that had happened. I junior year, I got so caught up in social climbing and wanting to have the cool friends, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and I really lost myself throughout that process. And that summer for me was, I was just in a bad place. I was trying to gain some perspective, figure out where I was going with my life. And again, things that happened even on that trip, I, you know, I lived with a family that didn't speak English a ton. So I felt isolated there and then I didn't have friends out there. And that last evening, you know, I was just, I was struggling internally and that definitely led me to drinking more and to maybe going against my gut instincts, which 
again, not fair that somebody would have come to mug me, but you know, so it just goes to show that so much of this sometimes is mental and emotional and really confidence, you know, and that's kind of what the, the crux of our program is, is teaching women to be confident or what that looks like, what it feels like and why it's so crucial. Yeah. And I really love that aspect of it because I think a common misconception about self-defense and, you know, I've learned this from like my dad and stuff is like, you know, you go in and you're like, fighting and stuff and you're going to punch the guy and then you're going to run away and like run free and whatever. Yeah. One thing I've always learned, like you're, you're a black belt, so you might have a different case, but me, like I barely, you know, have upper body strength. I have enough, but like not, not enough to really like knock out a six foot two, 200 pound, like jacked guy, you know, like it's not going to happen. So you have to think of it from a different perspective, obviously, like stemming from the mental sense, the confidence sense. What can I do to, first of all, not put myself in this situation? And secondly, what can I do to get out of it if I am? And I really love how you are shaping that because it puts the power in the woman's hand. And we think, Mm -hmm. all right, self-defense, I have to get away from the bad guy. I am like a vulnerable little girl in this world. And yes, obviously like terrible things happen to women every day, but it's thinking about it, like what can we do to have the power back? And that is really beautiful and really, really powerful. Well, and that's, you know, there's so many things out there and it just, it grinds my gears. There's so many things that really are, fear inducing. And obviously sometimes when you are talking about things, you know, to your point earlier, learning about stuff does sometimes make you more aware of stuff, which can make you more on edge. But ultimately the whole goal is to get in the habit of doing little things or building confidence in different situations. So you can do stuff. Like if I'm at home, I live on a small Island in California and there's a lot of like older people. There's not a lot of crime. So sometimes I do go run at night with noise canceling headphones, but there's other things that I do to still feel safe in that situation. Or, you know, the buddy system, you can't always use the buddy system and you shouldn't have to, like, you should be able to do things alone. So it's just all those kinds of things where it's like, let's not limit life. Let's just learn how to do those things and feel more safe and empowered with those things and not have to feel like we have to fear everything. And there's so many things out there that I think people have a lot of misconceptions on like human trafficking and stuff that make people so freaked out. And you see so much stuff circulated on social media, TikTok especially. And it's like, wait, 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 let's, we're not talking about the big picture here though. We're focusing on the little things that scare the hell out of people. It's crazy. It is. It's a lot. And honestly, like my sister and even like a a bunch of people in my life will like send me news articles every day. Like, just like, watch out for this. Don't. And I'm like, Oh my God, like this is just stressing me out as I'm just going about my day. And yeah, it's important to be aware, but on the same page, like, you know, we don't need to be stressed and fearful of every single little thing. We need to be able to be confident in our day, be aware of our surroundings and not be freaking out about everything in the world that there is to freak out about. I think. Yeah. Well, and I think again, so much of it's just trusting your gut. And I, as women, we constantly think like we're overreacting to things or I'm just, you know, X, Y, Z, like I'm being dramatic. And in reality, your gut instinct is telling you something. Don't think you're being dramatic. Just take action because you're picking up on different broken social norms or things that just feel off in your environment. And it's okay to take action. You know, you know, to your point about your sister sending you stuff, there was something that, um, I don't, it was like years ago and it was right as 
I was kind of forming everything armor and it was like talking about trafficking. And if you see a zip tie on your car, do this. If you see whatever, and if you're thrown into a trunk, you know, here's how to get out of the trunk. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. I, number one, first and foremost, love that we're spreading awareness about trafficking. And obviously there are situations where people are abducted when it comes to trafficking at random, but most of the time it is going to be somebody, you know, that's trafficking you. And if you look at the U S trafficking hotline from 2015 to 2021, there was never a single report of zip ties or crying baby noises, abandoned car seats, roses with like drugs on them to make you pass out. You know, there was never a single report of that stuff being linked to trafficking. So, you know, it's just, there's so much convoluted information that sometimes is circulated in total, like good nature, right? People try to spread awareness about these things, but it's, let's look at the big picture and let's really look at how to address these things and feel more safe with them. Yeah. That's really, really interesting to think about, you know, people are just looking out for themselves, but it's learning what is valuable on social media, but also more so like how you can trust your own instincts, I think. So I want to go into that with what you do in a class of yours and in in a course, and I will get into the details of all that too. But, you know, when you start out with going into a class of young women, I know you go to a lot of different colleges and stuff like that. Um, What are the first tactics that you use to help people really gain that trust in themselves and know that instinct feeling? Great question. So, you know, it's funny. I actually just had, I don't just, mostly we work with women, but there was just a class where we had, was it um, St. Mary's College? And there were like professors in the class. There was people from their martial arts club, men. And it was the coolest thing ever because it really, you know, I think it's also good. First of all, some men do experience, you know, fear of walking by yourself at night and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's also good for them to have exposure to sometimes the flip side on how women really feel in these situations too. Um, But we always, doesn't matter the the group we're working with, whether men or women, we always start off with mental self-defense. So we're really looking at how do I prep myself? First of all, how do these things happen? How could people, you know, take advantage of my unmet needs? Because Typically, somebody provides a need to you, they get you to trust them, feel safe with them, then they exploit that unmet need. So what mental self-defense looks at is, you know, how do we prep ourselves just in general for when those needs aren't met? We're all human beings. You're going to go through friend breakups, actual breakups. You're going to have financial hardship probably at some point throughout your life for most people. So, you know, what do we do in those situations to prep ourselves to still feel safe and still feel confident even while going through those things. So that's kind of the first thing we look at. Then we look at how to sense the intention of people and specifically really tactics that they use in order to control you or manipulate you. And one important thing we really look at is obviously social media is such a prominent tool people can use when they don't have good intentions to be able to stalk you or find your routines. So one thing we point out when I want everybody, if you are listening to this and you are able to right now, like pull out your phones and make sure precise locations turned off on anywhere you're publicly sharing your location, because basically the setting, have you heard of it? Well, I mean, I see snap maps every day on Snapchat and I'm like, why can I see all these people who I haven't talked to in years? Why can I see their exact location, like down to the mailbox of where they are? Yeah. No. And so basically like, so on Instagram, if Let's say you post, you know, every night to your feed. And even if the location says like in the clouds, 
if somebody's looking and let's say it's, you know, your Sunday night ritual, you're posting from bed, whatever. If that person's checking, let's say for three, four weeks and they see three or four of your posts, all with different locations, but they're all posted from you laying in bed. If they click that, they can see exactly where you were posting from. Again, even if it was like some abstract location, same thing for your story. So that's like one of the first things we always have women do is going to their phone, pulling out their settings, then going to the app and then click location and make sure precise locations toggled off. Now, obviously on like DoorDash, you want to make sure they have your precise location, but you know, anywhere you're publicly sharing it, we just want to, you know, kind of establish those ideas in people's heads and make sure that that information isn't being broadcasted. So that's kind of, you know, the first half of mental self-defense. Then we look at how to have confrontation, because again, I think this is women questioning themselves or not wanting to be quote unquote bitchy or rude or all those things that we're trained to try to avoid. And we're, you know, supposed to be people pleasers and be nice to everybody and smile, you know? So we want to look at how do we break those ideas and feel comfortable with the idea of putting our foot down for ourselves? And how do we make that feel comfortable for somebody who's morbidly afraid of confrontation because it's, it's natural, right? So then we look at, you know, conflict, if there's escalated situations, how do we try and deescalate that? What happens to your brain when you're in your stress response or fight or flight? And then after we do mental self-defense, that's where we kind of move into the situational stuff. And then we close off with physical self-defense. Wow. Yeah. So you're really covering everything from how your brain works, really, how you can use it to your benefit, the situations you can use it in. And then of course, how you can physically protect yourself as well. Sounds like you got the whole package girl. And that is incredible. And I love that you're really going across the country and teaching this to people everywhere. It's amazing. Yeah. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. And, And you know, it's so interesting, all the commonalities you find with women from all across the country, not even just women. Like one of the things we do with mental self-defense when we talk about confrontation is we'll have everybody like close their eyes and put their heads down. And this is like the first thing I point out with confrontation and I'll always say, okay, raise your hand. If you've ever encountered somebody and not even someone, you know, super well, but you've had a few conversations with them and you're like, mm, not my kind of person. Like don't really want to get to know them anymore. I just don't like that person. Mm-hmm. Every hand in the room always goes up. Like we always meet people we don't like but we are so morbidly afraid of like being disliked by people or having people think negative things. And we overthink different situations because of it. But in reality, all of us meet people we don't like, and like you are going to be that person for a lot of people in your life. So it's just accepting those things, but everybody experiences that. Like nobody's alone in that fact. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing that came to mind for me, obviously this could be in like any circumstance out there, Mm -hmm. but I'm thinking of like, you know, especially for a lot of young women out there, but people everywhere, you know, you're out at a bar or something and like this guy's coming up to you and he's flirting, but then he's getting a little too flirty. And then he's like touching you a little bit. And you're like, I don't like this. I don't like this. But at the same time, you're like, I don't want to seem like the bitch in the bar. And so you just kind of like play along with it. And first of all, like, while I'm saying that out loud, I'm like, why would you play along with it? But we've all been in that scenario. And it's like, yeah, we don't need to go along with somebody that we don't like, or that's making us uncomfortable. And we should feel okay to step out of that situation and get ourselves out of there because you don't need to be in a place where you don't feel safe. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, especially in today's world where there's so much attention brought to, especially like that, the way that guys will come up and like grab the small of your back or your hips. And it's like, you don't just get to do that. That's like, that's not 
an open invitation, you know, there's so much education about these things. There's so much attention and awareness brought to it. So if somebody's, you know, we always talk about this with like broken social norms, if people are willing to break those norms and make you feel uncomfortable and they don't care, you know, you shouldn't feel obligated to that person. And obviously that's so much easier said than done, but also like if they're willing to do that and make you feel uncomfortable, who knows what they, what else they'd be willing to do to make you feel uncomfortable. So, you know, but to your point, it is a really awkward confrontation to have with people. So it's, you know, trying to find ways, even if, you know, we've all accepted drinks from somebody we don't know super well. So yeah, yeah, you shouldn't drink it, but we've all been caught up in the moment and maybe drank the drink. So it's like, okay, even if you're going to, how do you still feel safe and confront that situation? Right. Or even, you know, somebody's standing in front of you saying, drink it, drink it. So you're like, okay, I guess I'm going to drink it, you know, but so let's, um, let's continue on with that. So I guess we could use that scenario to start off. Like some person is making you feel uncomfortable in a bar. Maybe, you know, they're standing a little too close to you. They're touching you. Maybe they're trying to force you to have this strength, whatever. We don't want to end up obviously going home with them, but we want to be able to back ourselves away from that situation to start off with. Maybe, you know, we just don't even want to have the drink. So Mm -hmm. what tactics would you say to start off with, to get ourselves out of that situation into a more comfortable position. Yeah. So are, is this person offering you a drink that you're going to drink kind of thing, or is it more so they're uncomfortably touching me and I want to get away? Um, let's see. How about uncomfortably touching? Okay. In that situation, you know, obviously you want to create distance between you and that person. So Mm -hmm. if you can, hopefully, you know, I'd back this up a step further and make sure if there's I speak from not doing this a good amount because I felt so invincible, but going out with people, you know, are going to have your back no matter what, when you're going out, like their number one priority isn't just leaving the bar with somebody. It's making sure that their girls are also okay. You know, that's like first and foremost, who can you trust and go out with? Mm -hmm. And then hopefully, you know, when you're in that situation, maybe you've thought through some different, we always say like, if you can have different like codes with your friends, whether it's like something you do with your body, a look you give, a text you send, whatever it is to help have somebody come up and naturally maybe get you away. That's an option. Or, I mean, first and foremost, if you can tell that person, hey, you know what, I'm not into this and you want to leave or you want to be confrontational in that situation, 100% we empower you to do that. This is more, that's like so uncomfortable that you wouldn't do it. Right. Then we always encourage having non-negotiable emergency excuses you can use so that person can't sit and barter with you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, an emergency doesn't have to mean like somebody's going to the hospital, you know, but it's just something that, okay, it's non-negotiable. Like this situation is happening and I can't change it. So saying I'm tired sometimes could be negotiable. You know, somebody could sit there and try to convince you out of it. So we say maybe stray away from something like that. Non-negotiable would be my friend is throwing up in the bathroom, right? Like that is happening and I can't change that. An emergency would be, it's happening right now and I have to attend to that. There's no time buffer. Like I have to get there now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kind of going off that excuse, my friend's in the bathroom. I'm so sorry. They're throwing up and I have to go make sure they're okay. Or my ride just got here. I'm so sorry. I have to go make sure they're okay. Or my friend's in an uncomfortable situation with somebody and she just texted me. I'm going to go check in on her so sorry, you know, and you don't even have to say sorry, but, you know, just coming up with those things and having them thought through already. So when you're in the moment, you don't have to feel awkward or like stressed out. You just know you have these go-to excuses to put distance between you and that person. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And those, 
Those are really quote unquote simple things to think of. But when you're uncomfortable and your stress level is raised and you're feeling Mm -hmm. those fearful feelings, you know, really, you don't always think of them right away, but just knowing them and having them in your back pocket is key. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Well, and when you're in fight or flight, a lot of times you lose access to your prefrontal cortex, which means that your ability to like find logic and reason and moderate different emotions you're having, like it's very hard to do those things. So Mm -hmm when we don't have access to that more elaborate thinking processes, really being able to, like you said, just think those things through really. So when you're in the moment, you don't have to feel stress and you just know those are your go-to excuses to get away from it. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Now I want to move on to maybe a more extreme situation. Like maybe you ended up home with somebody, maybe, you know, something sexual is happening and you're like, okay, I don't want this to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is obviously something that is a fear of a lot of people out there. I don't just want to say women, but, um, a lot of people and, um, you know, it's, it's hard to even think about how do we get ourselves out of those situations? If the person doesn't seem like they're just going to say yes right away, you know? Mm -hmm. So what do you suggest really to just have for people to have in their back pocket really as, okay, I know if I find myself in this situation, I can use this to help me. So for me, I always have like some kind of back to the other example, even those say those same excuses. And again, obviously, if you want to tell that person very straight up, like, I'm not okay with this and I'm leaving 100%, you are encouraged to do that. But this is just more again, for when that feels so uncomfortable, we wouldn't. So in those situations, I mean, I even tell people if they're going on a date with somebody or you're going home with somebody, you can always preface by saying, oh my gosh, you know what? My friend is going home with somebody or my friend is going to meet up with her ex and he's kind of volatile. I don't know how it's going to go. Just want to give you a heads up. Like she might call and I might need to go help her, you know, or whatever it is, my roommate's locked out and I have to go let her in, you know, just having those things that really get, take away the, it from, from feeling, it feeling so personal or like you're the one doing this because you feel uncomfortable. Cause a lot of times that's what we feel weird around, you know, so having those things thought out where it's like, you know what, I have to go right now or priming it when you first, you know, meet up with that person so that if you text your friend and they call you, they're almost already expecting that excuse to come up. So it feels more natural. And, you know, I'm not encouraging people to just become like serial liars, but (laughs) you really have to look at the fact that, you know, it's your safety that's at risk and you have to be your own advocate. And Sometimes we don't feel super comfortable in those situations and it's a lie that doesn't hurt anybody, but it helps you, you know? Exactly. I actually always try to do that like on a first date, maybe if I don't know the person too well or I, or at all, I'll mm-hmm. say like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm like getting a drink with my friends and I, and like three hours. So, you know, I do have that coming up or, you know, it could be two hours, whatever, 30 yeah. minutes, the date is not going well, you know, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. Just having like and out. So they know, all right, she's not staying around forever. Don't expect anything. Not that they need to anyway, but you know, just Mm -hmm. don't let them have it in their mind. So you know that you're going to go and they don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kind of going back to the drink one, because I think that that's something that a lot of women struggle with too. And especially because we're being realistic, you know, we are very realistic with our safety tips and like, sometimes we like free drinks. I just, This is something that's like so important to me because I, I've seen so much spiking or, you know, date rape drugs used. And I, first of all, if 
anybody is looking for like a tool to help with that, we love Nightcap. They were actually on Shark Tank. I don't know if, have you seen them, the scrunchies? Oh, I've heard about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're like, and they're pretty, you can like buy them on Amazon, but they like, they just cover your drink just to kind of prevent against that. And they have like all kinds of stuff. Now I think they have like straws, they have like stickers for you. I mean, such an amazing company, but it truly is such an important thing. So if you are ever getting a drink, yeah, obviously we shouldn't drink them. Right. But again, we've all probably drank a drink from somebody we didn't know super well. So if you're going to drink it, one thing we always say is again, if you feel comfortable saying, Hey, will you just have the first sip by all means do it. Now, if that's super uncomfortable, if it's, let's say a margarita, you just smell it, tell them, I'm so sorry. It smells so strong. I just want to make sure that it's not going to reek of de- or like taste so strongly of tequila because I've had horrible experiences with it. Will you please have the first sip? Mm-hmm. And if they're even remotely weird about it, all you have to say is I'm just going to get a new drink because I, I just feel like this one is really strong and I can, I can smell the tequila, you know? So it's just finding those things, having those habits. So it's easy to use in the moment. Yeah. And it's, you're thinking about yourself constantly and it's making it so it's, it's still like flirty and fun and not saying you have to be flirty, but you're just, you're more conversational about it. And it's not saying like, Hey, I feel unsafe right now. I'm not going to do this because nobody wants to do that in a cool night out. Like nobody is looking to just be awkward and uncomfortable, you know? So those are good tips, definitely. And then um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about you know, the physical side of it, definitely, because mm-hmm. yes, there are so many amazing um, mental tactics we can use and like be in a confident mindset to really keep ourselves safe. But God forbid, you know, you do find yourself in a situation where you do need to protect yourself physically against somebody who is most likely bigger and stronger than you. Um, what can somebody who doesn't have a ton of martial arts experience per se, like do to protect themselves as much as they can? Yeah. Great question. And this is something we really focus on because again, a lot of people don't have that consistent experience that gives them muscle memory with some more elaborate moves. So Mm -hmm. one thing we really drive home, number one, we practice more like basic escapes, but we really drive home remembering the best spots to strike on somebody. So, you know, going for softer areas, like one big one that typically you know, really in any way you're being physically compromised, hopefully you're able to access to some extent would be the groin area. Now, not to get super (laughs) anatomy here, but you're not going for the penis, you're going for the balls. So when you do this, yes, you can strike them. But another thing we teach, you know, somebody comes up behind you or to your point about, you know, somebody, you go home with somebody, they're putting you in a physically uncomfortable position. Let's say they're on top of you or something if you just reach and you grab and squeeze and twist their balls, it is, I don't obviously don't know from personal experience, very uncomfortable though. <laughs> and if you actually cut off the circulation, you can, they can lose a ball. Like it's, oh my God. it's gnarly. So, I mean that like places like that, you know, the eyes, now the eyes, I will say it's not as easy as we sometimes like think about just striking somebody's eyes. A lot of times you have to anchor to their head to some extent, like grabbing on to make sure you can yeah. get your fingers in their eyes. But spot like that going for the nose with a palm heel strike you know there's so many different areas to look for the temple we always say if you don't have training with a tactical item have some kind of metal water bottle if it's legal where you are carry some kind of baton that you can strike at the side of somebody's head they're attacking you those are everyday items you don't really have to have a lot of experience with because you're just swinging them so you know thinking those things through and you know again if you're carrying tactical items like there's so many women that have pepper spray, but don't know anything about it or have never used it before. 
True, true. Yeah, anything that's strong and can really get some good weight when you swing it. Um, I remember the Adam's apple is a really sensitive part too. So that Mm -hmm. is something that could help, you know, yeah, just remembering, all right, what are the sensitive parts of the body that if I got hit in, I would be like crouching for a second and that would give somebody else a second to run away. Just remembering that I think is key. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Those are realistic things that you could do to protect yourself. And it's not combinations that, you know, I don't, I'm a dancer. So I'm like, what's the choreography here? (laughs) But the, you know, the choreography, the combination that I know I'm not going to remember when I'm fighting for my life. Truly. Yeah. I mean, nobody can even totally imagine what they would feel like in that situation. So that's why if you have like, there's eight areas we really focus on to strike and the throat is definitely one of them, you know, going for, and if you can't aim towards that Adam's apple, just looking for like the middle of the throat. Also, one thing that people get very surprised by is the ears. And if you like grab onto the top and yank down, it only takes about seven pounds of pressure to actually rip an ear off. So, you know. Those kinds of things, or even fingers, like they're like carrots. If you can bite through a carrot, you can literally bite through a finger. <gasps> that is absolutely terrifying, but good yeah. to know. Hopefully I'll never have to bite somebody's finger off, but also good to know in case I ever do need to. Yeah. You're like, I think I'd go for like ripping it off, not biting it. <laughs> that's like, I know. So many that's people are like, that's crazy. disgusting. That's crazy to think about. It's like a carrot. Oh my God. Okay. Anyway, moving it's on. Wild. That's a good point. Honestly. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, there's so many things too that a lot of people are like, okay, but that's so gross. How would I do that in a real situation? And truthfully, you are in pure survival mode. That's why they call it fight or flight. You know, your body is, knows that your life is at risk. And even when sometimes, you know, you're just stressed or really anxious about something, your body is still having that same response. So our ability to think about the fact that, oh, that's so gross. We may not be thinking that in the moment, you know, so knowing those things, just drilling it into your brain. Like where would I strike if I needed to? And thinking through those things, just even just helps you feel more confident to be able to execute anything in that moment. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's really true. Once that adrenaline kicks in, you can really go into another mode and I've experienced it. Thankfully, like not in one of those situations, but mm-hmm. other things like, you know, I've had to like perform like the Heimlich maneuver before and like I haven't thought about that in forever, but all of a sudden when I need to, it kicks in and I'm like, oh my God, like who was that person? Really? Yes. That emergency mode is in you. And thankfully, you hopefully don't need it every day, but Mm -hmm. it's there. So just trust and relax and know what you need to have the education, but know that it will come through when it needs to. Yeah. When did you have to do that? It was actually, I was babysitting and it was a baby and it was only for literally like 20 seconds, honestly, like wasn't wasn't anything like really crazy, but it was that. It oh, was but like it's a baby and it's somebody else's. That's horrible. Yeah, yeah. And they were eating and it was like five seconds too long of like, they're coughing and, but they're not coughing. And I'm like, what mm-hmm. is going on? And all of a sudden I'm just like slamming their back and like helping them. And thankfully all was well and within 30 seconds, but it, it right. affected my day tremendously. <laughs> oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I know. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. But it kicked in. I was like, all right, we're, we're saving this baby right here for sure. No other way. Yeah. about it. But yeah, anyway, those are amazing tips. Definitely. Um, I also want to know, you know, you obviously talk to a lot of different people about things they've been through, I'm sure, and experiences they've faced. What would you say are the most common situations, I guess, that you know, women should be looking out for, um, if you're out and about, or if it's relationship based, like what should people really be on the lookout for, um, in their day-to-day lives? 
if that's I would, you brought up a question. Yeah. So I, I would say when it comes to the things that I've heard, I would say the most extreme ones are always having to do with some kind of sexual assault or domestic violence. There was yeah. actually a woman, um, and I didn't realize this before the class. I had her friend come up to me after the class that I taught and she had just actually had to go to the hospital because of a domestic violence situation. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was, I think definitely the heaviest thing I've, I've heard in one of my classes. Again, that's a situation where it's, it started mental, emotional, and then it transitioned into that physical part. And it's, you know, obviously so easy to give tips and help women build confidence and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it it takes an average of seven times to even leave a situation like that or a relationship that's abusive. So it's such a tricky situation. And again, I just think the most important thing you can do for that sexual assault, those kinds of things, really making sure that you just know who you are and what you deserve. And I think the more that you realize that it becomes easier to believe yourself when we feel red flags or when things feel off. And obviously, again, I know that's easier said than done, but I would say that's by far the most common serious two things that I hear. Um, When it comes to just kind of everyday situations, walking alone at night is hands down the things that women feel the most unsafe doing. Yet, especially with college women or young women, living in a city, you know, all those kinds of situations are going out. That's by far the most common thing that they encounter and want to learn how to feel more safe doing. Yeah. There's yeah. so many things we can't avoid. Like what if you work as a bartender and you have to walk to your car, you know, that's so kind of walking at night or you're on a college campus and you have to walk from the library. Like there's some things that we also just, I mean, truthfully can't avoid. So that's, you know, with situational self-defense, we touch on really like five things, confidence, being alert, being resourceful, visible, and being tuned in and aware of your environment, meaning social norms, just kind of common crime that you might see on the street. So you just feel a step ahead and can blend in a little easier. So, you know, knowing those things is is important. And confidence, again, is the first thing that people are going to see and perceive about you. And if you are on your phone while you're, say, walking at night, that tells somebody, hey, they're distracted. I might be able to close the distance between them and I a little bit quicker, you know? So those kinds of things, not being on the phone, having 100% of your attention on your environment and walking with a purpose. There's been studies to actually show having longer strides, having your head up, looking at people instead of avoiding people, though all those things make it a lot less likely that violent criminals would actually approach you. So, you know, again, just having those things in your back pocket, learning to practice those things. And ultimately, the more you practice it, the more you're going to actually feel confident in those kinds of situations. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking like, oh, I just want to say, like, don't walk alone at, alone at night. But you're right. It is unavoidable sometimes. And yeah. you do need to know what to do when you find yourself in those situations and to be confident in doing so. So mm-hmm. yeah, I really appreciate those tips. And the phone is a big one. Oh my goodness. Like I know like we can be on our phones all the time, not paying attention. I think I was talking about this with my friend recently. She was like, mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, like someone could really just come and like snatch your phone out of your hands. Like no big deal. I'm like, yeah, you're actually right. Like I'm not walking around, like ripping onto my phone 24 seven. So mm-hmm. if somebody can snatch a phone out of your hand, they could really do whatever, you know? So yeah, um, there was actually a woman we had, um, 
on that I had interviewed last summer. And she was like, I was in my early 20s. I was in my hometown. I was on my phone. And she was like, I think it was like 10 in the morning. And it, like, again, her hometown where she felt safe mm-hmm. walking to the bank. And she was like, I was texting on my phone. I looked up and this guy, literally exactly what you're explaining, had reached for her phone. And she was like, it was a group of these guys that I later found out were going around just like stealing phones to, you know, make extra money. And she was like, and I just, I don't know why in that moment I froze and I just wouldn't let go of my phone. And he ended up like completely like physically harming her and beating her up in that moment. And she was like, gosh, if I could just pass two things on to women, like if somebody wants something, give it to them. You don't want to see what they might be willing to do and have your head up. Even if it's daytime, you know, maybe check your phone if you really need to, but have a hundred percent of your attention on your environment. Yeah, it's so true. Like anything, pretty much anything on your phone can wait, truly. And yes, I really do like that point. Like your phone is replaceable. Losing money sucks, but it's nothing. It's things that can come back to you. Definitely. It's not your body. It's not your life. Don't fight or like put yourself in danger for material objects. It's never worth it. Yeah. And I'm sure in the moment it's like, oh, but my item, you know, you're going into that fight or flight. But if you can just, again, just think through to yourself. Okay. If somebody were to grab my, you know, my bag, whatever, like I would let it go. I would just let it go. So hopefully, you know, when the time comes, you're able to do that a little bit easier. And it's not so much like you have, it's like a situation you've never even thought about before that you're so unfamiliar with to where you wouldn't know how to respond. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I did want to go back to, um, the domestic violence subject for a second. And, um, Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if this is exactly like your area of expertise, if it's not like we could skip it, whatever. But, you know, I think some women might be listening to this saying like, all right, all these tips are great, but I feel like I'm in a situation that I can't get out of. I'm in a relationship that I feel unsafe and I'm scared to leave. You know, I know it's like so easy to explain like tips you can say really, and they're not always easy to follow through. But if you had any words of advice for a woman who might be in a situation like that currently, like what advice would you give? Number one, I would say, and I've like, I've been there. I not, I think to some of the extreme extents that I've seen other women having to experience, but first of all, just knowing that like you deserve better. It does not matter. Nothing else matters except for the fact like you deserve better than that. And also give yourself some grace. Like sometimes we tolerate things that later on, it's so easy to look back on and hindsight is 2020, you know, but in reality, when you're in the moment, these people also know how to keep you wrapped around their finger, you know, love bombing. If they're doing something more abusive then they follow it up with gifts and flattery. And it's like, they love you so, so, so hard. You know, your brain is chemically becoming addicted to that person. Like they would be a drug. So give yourself grace know that you deserve better though. And when it comes to responding to those things, I mean, I would always advise somebody to look for their local resources, but really making sure you have a plan, you have people to lean on, and it's always going to depend on the severity of your situation, you know, what steps you might have to take. But there are so many amazing resources, even if you just like Google it in your area, different numbers you can reach out to. But again, just having people around you who love and support you and opening up to them easier said than done. But, you know, if people know what's happening, they're going to be more better suited to help you in that situation or help you out of it or identify things. And I think also just like making sure that you can trust those people. Because I know sometimes it's very easy, like being on the receiving end of that as a friend, 
And I've had those friends before when you're in that moment, you're like venting about something that happened and then they almost get angry at you for not ending it. But it's like, you don't understand how hard it is to, to get out of this situation. So, you know, finding somebody you can really trust that, you know, is like a ride or die. And if you don't have that, again, there are so many resources out there that I would it really heavily advise people to to reach out to whether they're shelters or hotlines or there's different therapy services that can be extremely inexpensive. So just always seeking out whatever resources are available to you, again, depending on the severity of your situation. Yeah, um, I think that is really beneficial advice, definitely. So thank you for that. Um, I, I could go on and on with you, definitely, but I know we're <laughs> almost running out of time. But I did want to talk a little bit more about you building your business because this is what this podcast is essentially is about mm-hmm. is young entrepreneurs finding their way, having their unique careers. Um, so I know you came up with this idea, this great idea. You had your like courses set, your classes set. How did you really get your name out there to be able to grow it to something that you are traveling the country doing now? Like what were the first steps to really build this brand? Yeah. So I, you know, very early on, so about four years ago, I had just started really researching. I mean, I had a degree in psychology. I had my martial arts background, but I was like, I was in honestly, a lot of it was just getting angered by so many social media things I'd seen that I was like, I know that's not accurate, but I don't know the specific information about it. So how can I get all of my statistics in order and what kind of program do we need to create? And I, so I just did so much research. I mean, I spent years just researching, posting stuff. And then I kind of started to slowly get one-on-one clients and I really heavily worked with kids. Mm -hmm. And then I remember 2019, I believe I was just unhappy. Like I was just kind of going through stuff with my family. Personally, I was in a job that I didn't really like, and it just kind of started to build. And one day I was like, I'm like so miserable and I need purpose. I don't feel like I have any purpose. And I, I swear I do these kinds of things where I just like to make these split second decisions. And then they actually turn into something. So following again, gut instincts. Amazing. I like went on Facebook and I like friend or like requested to be in all these like mom groups around my local area. And I was like, Hey, I'm teaching one-on-one clients doing some self-defense and a little bit of like kickboxing, martial arts type stuff. I would love to work with your kids if if you're interested. And through COVID, ironically, that took off. Like I had, I think at one point I had, it was 24 clients that I would work with and I had a full-time job. So it was crazy. And I would work with all these kids and it really gave me the opportunity to kind of experiment with what I wanted to talk about or to teach and test different ideas. And at the time I ended up quitting the job that I had. I went part-time with a motivational speaker learned so much from him and actually ended up tutoring his daughter a little bit too along the way. So they're amazing family. But in that, again, it was like coming out of COVID and he was having a hard time booking gigs because, you know, it's speaking and he was also immunocompromised through COVID. So he really had to be careful about the opportunities he was choosing. And um, he was like, you know what, I'm like running out of extra funds to like keep doing this and we're not booking anything. I might have to put this on hold. And I was like, okay, how am I going to go full-time for myself? Because I refuse to go back to an office job. Mm -hmm. So I just started reaching out to sororities and I was like, Hey, I'm doing online classes. I would love to work with you guys. And that, I mean, was a hit. And then as COVID finished up and schools and back in person, they were asking for in-person classes. And then it just really morphed into what it is today. 
that is really incredible. And I think I really love, especially how you started local, like you started with people you knew, you started with your hometown and then it grew from there. Like you got your base, you got your testimonials, so to speak, really. And you got your confidence in your experience as well with the resources that you had around you. And then with every client, with every lesson, you could grow a little more. And I think that's a really good lesson to people to, you know, I think when you look at the big picture of what you want something to be, it could be really overwhelming. And you're like, well, I'm never going to get there, but start small, start with who, you know, the people around you start with your community and then grow and keep growing and keep growing and see what you could build. And it's amazing. Yeah, no, that was honestly one of the biggest things for me that was so daunting because I've always had a big picture of what I want to do. Like I've always known the end goal, but getting there and also to your point, having the confidence to get there, like you do experience hate. I had, you know, I don't really get a ton of it, but I just had a video go like blow up on TikTok. And I had this one lady that clearly doesn't know anything about what I teach or anything like that. And she was like, you're a fraud. And she was like texting me, like literally texted the number like our number. And it was just like, you know, you're going to get that hit. You're going to have people questioning you. So no matter what you do or what area you jump into, especially as an entrepreneur, you have to have a solid base of confidence. And not to say that I don't still sometimes have a hard time with those things, but getting that confidence. And then also just knowing that your business is going to tell you what it needs next. You just have to know how to listen to it and trust your gut. Like, yeah, I started working off with kids and I was like, I just, that's, I'm not loving it. I feel like I can't, share fully obviously I'm not going to talk to them about like stuff about going out (laughs) you know being a young woman traveling so I was like what else can I do and then I was like I'm just gonna try to get into sororities those are like the girls I feel like would really benefit from this and then they were saying we want in-person classes so then it transitioned into that and then travel got super crazy so now it's like okay how else do we really monetize what we have going on in ways that don't require being across the country all the time. So just really listening to what does your business want from you? And I love that you said that because it can be really overwhelming to get so caught up in the big picture. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really good motto to go by. Like, what does your business want right now from you? You know, because yeah, you can look at it as things that aren't going right. Or you could look at it as, all right, what does this business want right now? Like, what do I need to change to make this more successful. And yeah, it's trial and error. It's not going to be easy every day, 100%, but you keep going and you'll keep seeing success eventually. Yeah, no, 100%. I love that you turned like, yeah, when things aren't going right, it really, it's like, no, there's just something, there's, it, this is a really good opportunity to pivot what else needs mm-hmm. to happen. And also keeping in touch with yourself. Like I know for me, the constant travel, there was up until this I guess like my, my life works in semesters, but until like this semester, I was doing three week trips at a time. And that just became so taxing on me that I was like, I have to listen to myself. I can't be doing that as much. So I need to take a step back and also look at how I'm doing mentally. And if I'm not okay, then how can I pivot? Here's the problem. What are my options? And there's been a lot of experimenting too, that hasn't always gone great. So yeah, I love how you framed that. No, absolutely. And it seems like you're, you know, doing a great job with it. And what is your like normal schedule like now? Like obviously you're building your program, you have interviews like this, and then you're traveling to different places and teaching classes. Like how, how does it all come together? That is a million dollar question. (laughs) I, you know, and I'm somebody that I get like, 
I get so bored if I feel like I'm doing the same thing every day, which is good and also bad. Sometimes I do need that routine, but truthfully, it is so different day to day. So there's some days that I have, like when we're in our planning phases, setting up classes, I have a call with every single person looking to organize one And obviously, even if they don't go through with it. So I try to have like three days a week where I'm doing those calls all day. So sometimes that's anywhere up to like 20 calls in a day, wow. just talking about, I mean, literally repeating the same thing over and over. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, through travel time, I mean, sometimes it's absolutely insane. Like I will be in seven States in one week and it's travel, oh get to the hotel. I will like DoorDash food to my hotel as I get there eat, get ready, teach a class, wake up the next day. Sometimes I have like a five hour drive. So I mean, that is just insane, but also I'm so immersed in things that it's really easy to have social content or be thinking of different tips and stuff. And I also have a lot of help, you know, in doing the social content or doing outreach. And then the, like throughout the summers, sometimes is my favorite time because it's a little bit more low key and I get to do more of these kinds of things, wake up and I try to run errands in the morning, work out. And then do these kind of interviews morning or early afternoon, and then transition into more creative work. So social media, recording for that, trying to find new opportunities. Sometimes I work with clients throughout the summer. So it's just always so different. I don't even know how to like fully answer the question. (laughs) But I kind of love that, you know, and it's exciting for you. Like every day is something a little different and you're seeing new sites, you're meeting new people. Like, I love that. I'm all about that. So good for you. That's an, and it's amazing that you built it too. You know, that's really, really special. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's been quite a journey and it's a lot of ups and downs, but ultimately it does. It feels so fulfilling to do your own thing as hard as it is, but having a strong foundation, people to keep you grounded and having help too, I think is one of the biggest, biggest things. Definitely. Um, you know, there are so many things I could ask you really, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. But the one thing I really want to know is I think a lot of people might be out there and they're like thinking, okay, this is something I really want to get into. This is something I want to do, but they're still like at that beginning stage when they're like, I don't really know how to stand up for myself or how to speak for what I need really. So if you're speaking to somebody who is just in that beginning stage where the confidence level is really, really low, what would you suggest that they should do right now? Even if they can't go to a class this week or this month, whatever, what can they do today to really help to build their confidence in themselves and their place in the world around them too? Yeah. I love that question. And it is so important, especially I think for women in their twenties and Obviously, I can answer the question because I I know it, but it's not to say that I don't still struggle with this, you know, but I think that really building confidence and self-esteem is silly as it sounds, having little confrontations throughout the day and getting really clear and being okay with where you stand in things like people are going to misperceive you. And that I think is the thing I struggle with the most is feeling misunderstood, Mm -hmm. but people are going to, and sometimes people intentionally try to misunderstand you for their own reasons, you know, so trying to learn to be comfortable with that idea, accepting that, and then having little confrontations, whether it's somebody like getting your order wrong at Starbucks, don't just accept it. Or somebody like you get your nails done and they don't do it right. Or like how you at, you know, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and it doesn't have to be like, you're an asshole, you know, like really like coming at them. Like it's yeah. just approaching it. Like, Hey, you know what? I'm, I, this is not totally what I asked for. If I could get a new drink or whatever it is. And you can approach a situation with grace and dignity. So it doesn't have to be 
heated or confrontational and doing it the first time that something happens. Like in the classes that I teach, I talk about an experience with one of my roommates that kind of had a habit of not washing her dishes and I let it build and build and build and I blew at her. And if I could go back, just address the first time it happens. And so often we think, well, I'm overreacting or I'm being dramatic. So I'm going to let it keep going. And then it just gets to a point where this festers and you blow, Mm -hmm. confront things, little confrontations. And the more you can do those things, you start to listen to the things you stand for and like being okay with that. If you are somebody who needs fierce loyalty in a relationship or a friendship, that's okay. You're going to find your people. But if you accept people that don't have that fierce loyalty or you tell them something in confidence and they go repeat those things habitually or they are somebody who always is sharing other people's secrets you know believing that they're probably going to do the same to you and getting selective about those people you keep around you to support the things you know about yourself so you know getting clear on what you stand for having those little confrontations just building that self-esteem and being okay with all the things good bad ugly quirky all the things about you Yeah. Oh my God. That is beautiful advice. And so true. And something that I've definitely had to learn along the way too, and really grow into as well, grow Mm -hmm. into that confidence. And yeah, that's important for friendships, work, relationships, anything. You need to be able to work through those little confrontations to stand up for yourself. So thank you for that advice. Truly. Um, Yeah. And truthfully, that comes from also my instructor who has like, I mean, he's older than me. He has kids. He has like more experience than I do, especially in the martial arts realm. So that's not even just coming from me like that is being passed down. And like, he stresses that, like just have the little confrontations and, and truly that transitions into so much. And whether it's situational, you know, being able to walk around a little bit taller, have your head up, shoulders back and physical self-defense, having the confidence to do something, you know, just because somebody's bigger and stronger than you doesn't mean that you don't have a small fighting chance, you know, do something, know those places to strike, get into some kind of, you know, kickboxing class, even if that's the only thing that's appealing to you, or just finding a physical activity that helps physically empower you. I'm sure you know that with dance and stuff too. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. When you just have this confidence in your own body, you know, and it doesn't have to mean like, yeah, I'm I'm fighting everybody all the time, but it's like, I'm comfortable in my skin. I know what my body can do. And that just gives you this, this extra little pep in your step as you're walking around and a little more awareness of who you are and your place in your surroundings. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, Kaylee, thank you so much. This has been really, really lovely. Um, I have one final question that I ask everybody on this show. And that is, what is it that you value at the end of each day? That is such a hard question because a lot. (laughs) Truthfully, though, I would have to say I really value the people in my inner circle and those relationships. I think that it doesn't matter what you're doing in life. It doesn't matter really anything. You're going to have struggles. You're going to go through moments where you don't feel confident. You're going to go through hardship. You're going to, even if you don't have, you know, your business falls through, whatever it is, you know, you are always going to have those people. And I just value that so much in checking me, supporting me there to make you laugh. Like, I just, I think I really value the relationships that I keep close. And again, it's not always easy to find that, but it really takes getting clear on who you are to have that really strong support system. And I would not be where I am today without the people I have around me supporting me. Yep. 100%. It takes a village. Definitely. So that's beautiful. 
Um, yeah. And you have a new fan in me, truly. Like, I think you're doing such incredible work and I'm so happy we had the chance to talk. You're so down to earth and I think that's so necessary for a subject like this. So I'm so happy to have had you today. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on. If I'm ever in New York, I'm going to be calling you so we can go get some coffee. And if you are ever out here in California, you let me know. But I, it's been truly such a pleasure talking to you and I appreciate how much you are passionate about this topic because it really is something that first of all can seem so scary and also it's something that we all deal with so it's amazing I love talking about it and I always appreciate people that enjoy talking about it as well yeah it's important definitely um if people want to connect with you find where they can take your classes anything like that where can they find you yeah. So best places I would say and lots of free information too, would be in Instagram where everyday armor official armor is a R M O R or TikTok just everyday armor. Perfect. All right, Kaylee, thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your night. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I uh, really appreciate all the questions you asked too. It was fun to get to talk about the business side of things, the confidence aspect, all of it. So I, I really appreciate it. Perfect. I'm glad. It was a great conversation. Great way to spend the evening, definitely. So we'll talk soon, okay? Yes, sounds good. Definitely let me know if you were ever out here. Yes, you too, definitely. I will. Thank you, Kylie. Bye. Thanks, Kaylee. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye.